Hello and welcome to the Bold Believer Podcast, a podcast focusing on apologetics and faith-based questions and answers, diving deep into the historical evidence for the Christian faith, truths founded in Scripture, and how it plays out in the world we live in today. And now, here is your host, Josh Snyder. All right, all right. Welcome back to the Bold Believer Podcast. This is episode number four. And I'm here sitting in the studio with my boy Talon Art. Say what up? Yo, what's up, guys? All right, and we are happy to be here, and uh, we're, we're we're stoked to speak on kind of what we have to to speak on today. The topic is is one that I've, I'm super passionate about, especially lately when I've kind of thought down these theological and and mental lines that I believe God has uh, given me to chase here. And uh, we've got some scripture, we've got some examples, we've got some some things that maybe you'll, you can take into this week uh, more inspired or more directed based out of God's Word. So, uh, yeah, let's jump right in here. The, before, we, before we get off onto the topic itself, I have an article that I found a few weeks back when I was researching for this particular topic. And it's an article from John Stone Street from Breakpoint. If you know anything about them, they, they advocate for Christian liberty and freedom, and uh, they, they dive deep into historical evidence and many things that are cross-referenced from secular culture and how it affects the church today and how the church can affect the culture for Christ and just a lot of different things for the kingdom. And I don't agree with every single thing that they do, and I'm not because I'm quoting an article doesn't mean that I uh, stand behind everything that they teach, but I do believe that this article is very relevant to what we're speaking on and, and filled with, with a lot of truth. So um, let, me, uh, let me read it. It's fairly lengthy, so hold on real quick. It's, it's, uh, it's really deep, though, so I'd, I hope you get something from it. This was a, a Breakpoint article, like I said, from John Stone Street from a few months back when it initially aired. And it talks about the question, and it answers the question, I believe, what makes us truly free? Answers it fairly well from, from their perspective based on on uh, uh, not just theology, but how it plays out in the real world, how, how that question and answering it plays out in the real world today. So let me just read it here. Though Americans remain a morally serious people, at least in our quickness to condemn each other as Hitlers for various mindsets and misdeeds, we are clearly not concerned with moral consistency. We demand churches stay closed to stop the spread of covid especially back during the wake of it, uh, but not Walmarts or bars or casinos. Uh, we protest police violence with acts of violence. We celebrate Hugh Hefner, the late founder and chief editor of Playboy magazine, as some great liberator of women. And weeks after his death, condemn Harvey Weinstein. We say character counts when it's their guy in office, but not when it's our guy. Then, last week, this was again months ago, after three plus years of the hashtag MeToo movement protesting the objectification and abuse of women, the most objectifying song in history, one that reduces women to nothing more than their private parts, hit number one on the charts. I couldn't possibly share the lyrics of this song, any of them. He doesn't want to share any of them. Please do not look them up, he goes on and urges. The two women rappers who perform this song repeatedly call themselves prostitutes, although not using that word directly, and beg men to treat them as such. By any definition, legal or otherwise, America's most popular song and its accompanying video are best called pornography and available everywhere to anyone of any age. Also last week, Netflix announced a new film to be carried on its platform called Cuties, 
And again, this is Josh speaking out of the article. I don't know if they went on to premiere this particular show. I can't remember the outcome of that. But uh, based on this article, we're going we're gonna to continue to go get at the heart of what he has to say um, here in just a moment. So stay with me. He goes on to say, uh, it's, uh, Cuties is a French film about an 11-year-old Muslim girl who liberates herself from the oppressive morality of her family and her religion by joining an all-girl dance crew. The image Netflix uses to advertise, advertise the film on social media featured a group of preteen girls in sexually suggestive poses. The trailer featured a dance crew of young girls twerking, among other sexually suggestive dance moves. In 1964, Supreme Court Justice Potter Stewart famously said that though he could not give a precise definition of pornography, he goes on to say, I know it when I see it. Thankfully, the public outcry of the movie and poster was loud, consistent, and incredulous. What the public saw was child pornography. And if you remember anything about the outburst on social media over this particular show, you'll, know what I, you'll, you'll remember what I was talking about. In response, Netflix apologized and pulled the ad, particularly uh, that first ad for cuties. But at this point in time, again, when this article was written, did not pull the movie itself. As a Facebook meme put it, If conspiracy theorists needed ammo that the government and media elites are behind international pedophile rings, Netflix just gave them a silver bullet. As morally monstrous as both these cultural artifacts are, they reveal a great deal about the society that produced them. The number one song that was number one in the charts uh, the middle of this last year, so this has been some months ago, and Cuties coming out on uh, Netflix These cultural artifacts reveal a great deal, one that considers self-determination, self-actualization, and abuse, or I'm sorry, an absolute freedom from any restraint as the highest human goods. Hear me. They believe that self-actualization and absolute freedom from any restraint is the highest human good. This sort of view emerges only by rejecting the idea that the universe is and was created and ordered for some determined purpose. In turn, such a society embraces a profoundly tragic misunderstanding not only about what what is right and wrong, but also of what it means to be human and, and what freedom truly is. To teach this important fundamental truth, John Stone Street goes on to say that he's long used this analogy with students. Imagine I am an airplane pilot, feeling quite free one day. I decide I don't want to fly my plane. I want to drive that plane. So I get in to the end of the runway, and then I turn left. I don't start to soar. I turn left. Who's going to stop me? I'm in a 747. I'm cruising down the road, and then I decide I want to see Pike's Peak. So I start up the curvy, windy drive and get stuck on the way up this mountain. My expression of freedom actually limited my freedom. If I want to see Pike's Peak in a plane, I should fly it. A plane is most free not when I drive it, but when I fly it. That's what it was designed for. The same is true about human sexuality. We are not most free when we do whatever we want, but only when we are doing what God created us to do and to be. A view of freedom that denies accountability or consequences will only and always enslave us to our own passions. It will only and always enslave us to our own passions. As Paul wrote in Romans chapter 6, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? 
we are servants to somebody. We always are going to be serving somebody, whether it be ourselves, our, the lust of the flesh, the lust of our eyes, and the pride of life, unto death, or Christ unto righteousness. The article ends on this note, and we'll get into the points and talk a little bit so Josh Snyder stops talking so much, but it ends on this note. From the very beginning, the sexual revolution promised the wrong kind of quote-unquote freedom. What it delivered instead, re-emerging not only sexual morality, I'm sorry, re-imaging not only sexual morality, but who we fundamentally are as human beings was slavery. Women and children are disproportionately victims of these bad ideas. Our two most recent cultural artifacts back in the middle of this last year retell these lies. And maybe I should have got some a little bit more uh, recent, but I just I love how what he points out in this article. These cultural artifacts retell these lies, and it is no accident that one is aimed at women and the other one was aimed at children. With this in mind, we've got some, some questions and some points I'd like to point out here, and we're going to discuss them and pull open our Bible. So if you've got a Bible handy, please feel free to, to pop it open. We'd like to just uh, keep it fairly short and brief and to the point. We've already, I've already said quite a bit, and John Stone Street had a lot of um, research and, and, and ideas already gone into this. So uh, point number one that we're going to be discussing is absolute freedom by culture's definition is a lie of the devil. Let me, let me say that again. Absolute freedom, freedom without restraints, by the culture's definition is a lie of the devil. Let's jump into the word of God here. First and foremost, let's jump over to Romans chapter 6. If Talon, you got Romans chapter 6? Yes, Verses 17 through 18. Please hop up and read nice and loud here for us. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that, that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Made free from sin. We weren't created to sin. Though at the fall, though when, when Adam and Eve sinned, though when Adam and Eve made the conscious choice to to go against God, and sin entered into the world, and death by sin, we still were not created to sin. We were created to not only uh, live and, and, and die, we were created to honor and glorify God with our lives. That is our true purpose, and that hashes out in many different forms. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Hmm. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after that sim similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Hmm. So that's the chapter right before we were talking about Romans chapter 6. Yep, yep. But, uh, God be thanked, you were servants of sin, but now you're servants of righteousness. Yes. Essentially, yeah. There's that contrast. Like, truly, when we are saved from our sin and we are made free to do as we ought, we are made free to live for Christ, we, we are still servants. Ultimately, we're going to be serving somebody or something in this life. Whether it be yourself, the world, the flesh, and the devil, your desires, and that's, that will always lead you to a place of godlessness without God, and in the end, you'll end up in a place called hell. We're going to serve ourselves or we're going to serve how we were supposed to serve. We were created to serve. We were created to what we were created for. And, and I believe that was to glorify God. And if we look at like Satan and his philosophy of his religion of Satanists or even some other religions, New Ageism, all these other things, their philosophy is 
do what thou wilt. Yeah. Do what you want. Yep. It doesn't matter what anyone thinks about you. Be you. Be the person you are inside. Yeah. Well, I tell you, my friend, the Bible says in Jeremiah that our hearts are desperately, deceitfully wicked. Yeah. And so when we it's begin lies. to say, I am gay or I am attracted to the same sex mm. and we then say that is who I am just because that is who you are does not make it right. Sure. And they label that as love and they say that it's love and to tolerate it. Mm. And they use tolerance as love. Mm. When in the Bible, if we, we say that tolerance is love, that is not what the Bible says. The Bible says that love is in truth. Yeah. And the word is truth. And it yeah. says that men in the, in the book of Romans chapter 1, it says men began to lust Fire. after each other. Men with, or women with women and men with men, they burned for one another. And uh, did that thing which was unnatural and un, un uh, see what was the word inconvenient essentially it was against yes. nature yeah against nature yeah. Um, so and that's a that's a really good uh, one of the more relevant or prevalent examples here um, the the idea or the fight rather for the normalization of homosexuality and and let me say this first and foremost we're not here to um, specifically only target one sin we believe that all sin separates us from God and all sin is evil in the sight of God whether you're a Christian or not I mean we need we should fight against evil in all places and the reason that I even bring up homosexuality is because that is the movement in today's age of 2021 from my own experience of let's say preaching on the street yeah I, I can preach against sin and people will agree but as soon as I then mention homosexuality being sin yeah. it's as if people then freak out because it's such a target to allow it to tolerate this sin it's one of those sins that they are trying to push to be tolerated. People know lying's yeah. wrong. People know murdering's wrong. But when homosexuality is being preached against, people then begin to think we can tolerate that specific sin, mm. even though all sin's bad. Yeah. It is okay for us to, to fight against it because there is a deception coming where, just as Sodom and Gomorrah, where they were, homosexuality was rampant and God judge that city. It was rampant and that is what our era is becoming to look like and we must fight as a body, as a church against all sin. Yeah. Especially the normalization in the culture. And the, I mean, you know, it's same thing if you start, start stood up and preached on the street against uh, abortion and the the problems with that, you get a lot of people agreeing, especially around here where I where we live, but you get you get a handful of people that are just drastically um, get drastically angry and come up against you because you speak out against the murder of unborn children and things like that. So um, again, we're not here to point out one sin is worse than others, but when we see sins and cultural artifacts that are really showing how that our nation is just running as fast as it can in its highest levels away from God and anything that is godly, we, we are called as Christians to fight against that. Grace and truth. We want to be gracious, but that does not mean we should not stand to proclaim truth and fight for that in the arenas that God has placed us. And so understand, based around this first point, again, let's tie it back here. Absolute freedom by the culture's definition is a lie from the devil. I have in my notes here to ask Siri what absolute means and what freedom means. So let me, let me get that real quick. Hey, Siri, what does absolute mean? Not qualified or diminished in any way total. Not qualified or diminished in any way total. Absolute, not qualified or, or diminished in any way. So absolute, so 
it hasn't diminished in any way, so absolute. Hey Siri, what does freedom mean? Freedom means the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. So based on those definitions, without hindrance and the power to do whatever you want, the culture has then deemed the term freedom as the ability to do as you want. And I believe that is anything far from, or everything far from the truth is anything but right. Because most of us know that if we, if everyone was allowed to do whatever they want and their passions told them, whatever their passions told them was okay to do, we would hate to live in this world. Because that guy across the street, his passion is to, uh, to, to kidnap children. That, the guy down the street, or the, the woman down the street, her passion is to, to rob banks. The, the guy over there, he's, he's a murderer. Uh, and not saying that we all fall into those categories or that we all would do something that drastic in today's culture if we had total and absolute freedom. But absolute freedom, by definition, is a lie from the devil because it cannot be achieved within any society and sustain any kind of order. We need the ability to come back to some sort of premise. And I believe that premise has to be something that we call truth. And if society in today is fighting so hard against any kind of premise of truth, how are we supposed to know what is right or wrong? And I believe that is why there's no such thing as truth in society. And I believe that is why all the lines are blurred because when nothing is absolute, anything can go and and, and anything can be your master. And and we serve everything besides the creator. Amen. Secondly, and our final point here, well, actually, we'll have three points here. I've got three. And second, real quickly, true freedom is being free to do as one ought. I believe that true freedom is the ability and being able to do as one ought. How do we define what one should do? Do you know what, what, how we should define what one should do? Well, if we look at the biblical of what a person should do, we should base the foundation of what we do according to what God calls us to do. Yeah. And freedom would be wanting to do what God has called you to do. Acting upon it, yeah. Acting upon and having the desire within to do that specific thing that God has called us to do. And and sometimes we don't even have those desires, so to speak. Sometimes like on our worst days because of our flesh and the sin nature and the, the world in which we live, we will not have the desire to get up out of our chair and to go witness to our neighbors. We will not have the desire to get up out of our chair and to make that thing right in which we know we wrong somebody because it's uncomfortable, we don't feel good about it, our sin nature cuts in and so on and so forth. But as... Children of God who desire to be to live and walk in freedom, the freedom that Christ gives us gives us the ability to push back in the name of Jesus against any sin, against any wile, against any lust that Satan can throw our way so that we ultimately can walk every single day in freedom, ultimately being able to do as we were created to do. Just like that plane, as I mentioned at the beginning, that plane was not truly free, is not freest when it is driving down the interstate or driving up a mountain. It is truly free when it is flying above that mountain because it was doing what it was created to do. We find here in Romans chapter 6, verses 5 through 7, uh, a verse that ties this in really well. It says, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, his death being Jesus, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Basically, if like we die to ourselves just as Christ died to himself and, and his, 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 his flesh desires. Because when you see in the garden, Christ did not want to go through all of this pain 
if there was some way to let this cup pass, as he asked the father when he prayed. Because and it wasn't just be, the pain either. Yeah, uh, it was yeah, the sin knowing, of the world. Yeah, it was knowing he was going to take the full wrath of God, yep. and that he would then be separated from God. Yeah, very good point. Yeah, that that's, that takes it to a whole other level too. I mean, should not miss that. So just like we die to ourselves, you know, every single day, like Paul says, I die daily that Christ may live in me. If we die to our desires and our fleshly, the things that enslave us, the things that have enslaved us before, we will live again and rise again as Christ did. It goes on to say, knowing this, Romans chapter six, verse five through seven, I believe we're in verse seven, it says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. That is the one thing that has hindered and held back any and all of us who have been born in this, in this day and age, this little thing called the sin nature. We are enslaved to it at birth because of, well, what one man did thousands of years ago. But that does not mean that there is not a way out and a way to be free and that freedom is found in Christ. And I believe in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, this is a way to find that freedom. Paul says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Yep. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, yeah. so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit... Ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envy, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in, t- in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So when we were born, we were slaves to ourselves, slaves to sin, slaves to the lies that Satan had planted in our forefathers and continue to root on in this world. We are going to serve something. When one desires to be truly free, we need to desire to do as we were created to do. And that, you know, dear Christian, if you feel you can live in some sort of sin and you justify it because, oh, it's, I'm free in Christ. No, no, Christ, Christ saved us from our sin and from ourselves and will continue to sanctify us in this life. And that means he desires us to conform to his son and, and the things laid out in scripture for us to, to follow on. And, and Paul also said, so now that we're under grace, does that give us a free license for sin? Paul said, God, God forbid. forbid, God forbid. Mm. We're not teaching legalism here, but we are teaching trying to follow after what Christ would have us follow after every single day as Christians because we are called to be that light. We're called to be that salt. And we cannot be that salt and light if we are serving sin in any fashion. So as the Bible says, it says that whatever you serve, you are then a slave to whatever you serve or that is your master. So if you continue to serve sin, then sin is your master. Yeah. Or if you serve God and you serve his commandments and you obey what he says, then you make him your Lord, and that is yeah. evident that he is your Lord in your heart by outwardly and pursuing holiness and keeping the commandments of God. Yeah, and you then then you're free, truly free to go on and be and do what you were created to do. 
And I believe that is only found in Christ. That's our third and final point. True freedom is found only in Christ. I don't need to say much more here, but I got a couple more verses that I'd like to read real quick and and we'll close out. Romans chapter six, verses 11 through 12 says, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Don't let sin take that plate, the place of God in your life. I believe that you are sealed into the day of redemption, that Christ is what holds you and his grace is sufficient through it all, but that does not mean we aren't called to, a, to strive to be like Christ every single day. And that means laying down our lusts, our wills at times. That means laying down um, the flesh that deceives, our heart that is so deceitful and desperately wicked. Even as Christians, we have to fight and wage war against self. The last verses that are, I think really iterate this and cap this off well is Romans chapter 6, verses 20 through 23, where it says, For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? What did you gain from all that sin? You got a buzz and then you were left high and dry? And then in the end you die and spend an eternity without God and spend an eternity away from, from the things that that are perfect and good and, and true and right and just. And just another verse that came to mind is, I want you to meditate and very like listen closely to this because this is what Jesus said. He said, why gain the whole world and then yet you will lose your own soul? Yeah, what, what's going to profit you, huh? Think about that. Yeah, yeah, amen. It goes on to say in Romans 6 uh, verses 20 through 23, but now being made free from sin... And become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness. I mean, there's, there's, there's worth in it. There's value in it now. And in the end, everlasting life. We're going to have not only everlasting life because of what Christ did on the cross, but we can now have reward and, and a, an abundant life in this life and going on to the next. Like our, our eternal life does not start when we die. Eternal life starts right now. Our bodies may die and wither and fade away, but our life will go on and continue on through all eternity in, 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 in a perfect place called heaven. I, I can't, we can't quite describe it right now, and maybe we can take an episode sometime here in the near future to talk a little bit about what does the Bible say about heaven and get some of those glimpses. And this, this time we're in, this vapor of time, as in the book of James says, it's a, it's a vapor of time, but yet what you do in this life will set your eternity, whether it's heaven or hell or reward in heaven. Everything will be determined by what you do in this life. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's good to point out. And you mentioned reward. Like as a Christian, if you are a child of God and you are living for the here and now or find yourself just just blaspheming everything that is about God in your life in this current place that you're in and you feel the Spirit leading you to get out or get away from those things, listen because reward in heaven and not only not only reward in heaven, but being able to be that light while we have the time that we are given here on earth every single day is an amazing gift. The Bible goes on to talk a bit about a gift in the end of uh, Romans chapter 6, verses uh, 20 through 23. In verse 23, most of us know this verse if you've um, been a Christian for any amount of time, but it, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Everything has a price and a price must be paid. Our sin's price or the wages for our sin is eternal separation from God. And as Christians, it means loss of reward. It means blaspheming the name of God and even influencing and affecting other people who could be pointed to Christ through your life, not being able to do that effectively because we are living in a way that God would not have us live. And so I want to challenge you, if you are a believer on the other end of this 
this podcast, please consider your life right now and ask yourself, what are you doing with the time that God has given you? Are you acting in the freedom that he has given you now? Freedom from your sin, freedom from that lust. I know it's hard. I know there's addiction that rages on from your past. I know there's things in your life that want to come back and the devil's trying to plant some seeds to, to grow and to wreck your marriage and to wreck the time that God has given you. But you can fight against that because now you not only have the the desire, the willpower to get away from that, as as many people do, even people without Christ want to be you know uh, free from certain things. But you have God, you have the Maker of the universe on your side. You have the Holy Spirit indwelling your life, and you can walk in freedom every single day and do what you were created to do in Christ. True freedom. In John fifteen, it says, Jesus said, "Abide in me, abide in the vine, for He is the sustenance of life." If you abide not in the vine, which is Jesus, you can do nothing is what Jesus said. So if you're living your life a slave to sin and you expect to cut that out, but yet you're not abiding in Christ, you will never be able to overcome it. You can do nothing is what he said. But if you do abide in the vine, Jesus Christ then gives you power over your sin. He then conquers that sin. He then gives you victory over it. And that is why we say true freedom is in Jesus Christ. Amen. It's only in him. He is the sustenance of life. He then goes on to say that if you abide in me, he will purge you. He will purge your sins. He will take that out of you. He will remove you, conform you to the image of of who he is. Amen. Every single day. What is freedom? Freedom to run away from God or freedom to come boldly before the throne of grace? Many try to define freedom. They believe they believe it is a, it is freedom to run from God, sin in any way they want. Some want freedom to get drunk and use alcohol or drugs only to to destroy their lives and the lives of their loved ones around them. Some want freedom to view pornography and to destroy their morals, their family life, and their ability to commit to faithfulness in marriage. Some want freedom to kill unborn babies, shaking a fist in God's face, proclaiming themselves to be the givers and takers of life. Yet others want freedom to destroy the sanctity of marriage, destroying family and defying God. Every earthly effort towards moral freedom brings captivity and bondage to something else. Remember that. Consider that. I I pray that we've given you some food for thought today in this this episode of the Bold Believer Podcast. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. I, I apologize if it was a little long for your liking, but I hope that you're able to take something home from it. Um, and uh, if you haven't already subscribe, give us a rating and wherever you get your podcast and please drop a comment or, or share this podcast wherever your socials are at. We'd love to slowly get the word out and reach out a little further and try to affect this world a little bit more for Christ. Talon, you got any final words here? I do. Uh, this is the book of First John chapter 4, verse 1. And it says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come. And even now already it, is it in the world. So, I just want you guys to listen, hear what we say. But test every person. Test everything you hear. There's so many false prophets, false teachers roaming out around the internet, around the world, leading people into darkness and to live in sin and to do all these 
things in different gospels, which Paul said, if you preach a different gospel, you should be accursed. Be careful because there are wolves in sheep's clothing. Yeah. Yeah. This is Josh Snyder and... uh, This is Talon. Signing out for episode number four of The Bold Believer. What does it mean to be free? Well, I hope we've given you a little bit more insight into that question here today. Thanks for joining us. Have a great one. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. Be sure to give us a rating and follow us for more Christ-centered content as we learn and grow together wherever you get your podcasts. Now, go out and be a bold believer.